Can you stand back with me this morning? We're going to get back into the Word. We're going to get serious again. Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, verse 16. I'm going to be reading out of NIV. It may be King James on the screen, but I'm going to read it out of NIV this morning just because I like the version of it, how it's written. I can get my Bible to pull up. All right, let's just read on the screen. Then said unto him a certain man, a great supper, and bade many. Can I say that word? Go back. Because NIV says he invited many. Everybody say invited. He invited many. And sent his servant at supper time to say to them they were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. And first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray, I pray thee, have me excuse. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and go to prove them, and I pray thee, have me excuse. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came, and he showed his Lord these things. And the master of the house became angry and said to the servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring in the hither and the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded. Yet there is room. Somebody say there's more room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go into the highways and the hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I said unto you that none of these men which are bidden shall taste of my supper. Can you go back to verse 23 for me real quick? Somebody say this with me. That my house may be filled. I want to preach a little bit this morning called the power of an invite. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, this morning. Father, we thank you, God, that there's power in who we are. There's power, God, in our words. There's power, God, in our voice. God, that we can compel people to the goodness of Jesus Christ. That God, just like David said, oh, taste and see what the Lord has done. Father, God, let us tell others, God, how good you truly are. And God, let us have the, the initiative, God, the willpower, the strength, the boldness, God, the unashamedness, zealous, God, to go and tell others about what you've done for us, God. Father, we thank you, God, and we praise you, God. We give you praise, God, in Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. It's been said, one quote was said on inviting I didn't want to go, but that doesn't mean I didn't want to be invited. I mean, that sounds like a lot of people we know. I really never planned to go, but that doesn't mean I didn't want to be invited. I want to be invited, but I want to make the choice to go myself. There are statistics show 
about the kingdom of God and about church. It says statistics show that 8%, how they get to the kingdom, they walked in on their own initiative. Only 8%. 2 to 3% liked a program that was offered at the church. 8 to 10% liked the pastor. You know, that kills my whole ego right there. I don't have an ego. I just thought it was funny. Three to four percent had a need met by the church. One to two percent were evangelized personally. Three to four percent were attracted by a Sunday school class. But, somebody say but. Seventy to eighty-five percent were invited by a relative or a friend. Isn't that funny? We do so much stuff. And we put so much emphasis on things that don't work. No matter how much they like me, it's only going to get a small amount. No matter how much of a program that we do, it's only going to get a small amount. Have you ever heard this initiative that we're going to pray until the north and the south and the east and the west come in? But it said there, only 8% walked in on their own. How many of the Spirit of God will draw them? But we leave out the part, if I am lifted up. If I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto thee. Then they will come in on their own initiative. But the reality is, is statistics show that 83% come in if someone that they know invites them. Someone they have relationship. How do you know the new evangelism is relationships? It's relational evangelism. I don't know about you. I thank God for the people that put the tracks, the little sunny tracks, at my bathroom stall when I'm trying to urinate. Uh, but how do you know that never got me to Jesus? I know that was shocking, but it's the truth. I ain't thinking about the kingdom business when I'm trying to do my business. That's all right. You can laugh. We all do it. If you don't do it, we need to get you to the doctor. (laughs) But that little track sitting there has very fewly ever got someone to Jesus. But can I tell you something? Your life, your words, your story will always get someone to Jesus. Yeah. Can you think back of how you got here? How Not just here, but how did you get to Jesus? How did you get there? Did did your mother invite you? Did your family member invite you? Did your co-worker invite you? Who was it that told you about Jesus and got you here? Can I tell you something? A lot of times we think about that person and we put them on a pedestal because we think so highly of them. It was my Sunday school teacher. It was my mom. It was my coer. That person you think so much about because they got you to Jesus. Right? I mean, they are like Billy Graham to you. But can I tell you something? You have the same power within you to get people to Jesus the same way someone else got you to Jesus. There is so much power in who you are. But can I tell you something? One of the greatest uh, 
tricks of the enemy is that he puts fear in our hearts that no one wants to hear about our relationship with Jesus. But can I tell you something? We have a people that are so hungry and so desperate in in our jobs and in our families and here in America that someone everywhere wants to hear the good news again. Can I tell you something? Everybody walks through issues. Just because you're saved, it does not eliminate you from issues. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. That you will go through issues. But can I tell you something? The saved person, the believed person, the believer, the blood-bought person, they have something to walk through it that protects them from the rain. Yeah. See, an unjust person can walk through the storm, and they ain't got an ark to carry them to the other side. But can I tell you something? A believer is covered by the blood of Jesus that gives them peace and carries them to the next destination. And can I tell you something? It is is you and your relationship with God and your witness that will always bring people to Jesus. Because people, when they see you going through a storm or through issues they want to know how are you reacting to it compared to me and what I found out is is that when you walk through a storm that killed your co-worker but yet it keeps you in perfect peace they want to know how did you get through this thing I want to brag a little bit about Jesus because just last week, my good God, I want to say this and I didn't plan to say it, but just last week I talked about my little girl that for nine years has had epilepsy And we have never had a good report for nine straight years. My little girl has had seizures at four, five, six, seven o'clock in the morning, and I got to get her stabilized, me and my wife, and we got to get her stabilized, get her okay, and I got to go under work knowing my little girl had a seizure. Right, And there'll be times where I'll have to call in and say, guys, listen, I, I may not be there right on time, but you give me an hour, I'll be there. And they don't understand. They look at me and they say, how in the world can you be here when your little, se- when your little girl had a seizure at home? Because I would look at him and I'd say, because God still got it. Jesus is still bigger. It doesn't make any sense, but I'm telling you, there's a calmness. Listen, my mind may be racing, but there's a calmness on the inside of me. And I stood here last week and I said, we're going to keep praying and carrying the water pots until we see something good. And can I tell you something? Listen, I'm not telling you something cliche from this pulpit, but this very week, my good God, this week, my God, this week, the neurologist called us and said half of her brain is not showing seizures anymore. It is the first good report we have ever had. (laughs) Oh, my goodness gracious. I was sitting at work when I got that phone call, and I sat there in tears, thanking God. And people came around me, and they said, because I don't ever cry. You, if you see me cry, it's got to be big. I mean, I don't cry just to be crying. I ain't, I, ain't, I ain't a feminine man like that. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I don't cry like that. If I'm crying, it's got to be over my wife or my, little, or my kids. But I sit there bawling, crying at work, and people said, man, what's wrong? What's wrong? I said, my God, God is good. He just gave me a praise report that I got to tell someone. 
And can I tell you something? Your storm may not be like my storm. It may not be as big as your storm. But they want to know how are you reacting when a flat tire comes? How are you reacting when a coworker attacks you? How are you doing something when your family sees that you should be failing? I'm telling you, your personal witness can get people to Jesus like never before. Oh, my good God. Before I came to my job, we didn't have a prayer group. We didn't have a prayer group. We didn't have anybody in there, nothing. We started a prayer group since then, and I'm telling you, on the average, we have 30 people sitting in our prayer group. On average, we, and it's not because of me. A young girl wanted to start it. But then when the doctors that were not of Christian belief fought it, Listen, I am the one that stood up as the leader and said, no, we will fight this legally within HR. You understand what I'm saying? I am telling you, God will use you. Don't you ever let the enemy ever dismise the power that is in you. The Bible says, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. I don't know about you. I don't want God to be ashamed of me. But I want to stand before him and say, well done, my good and faithful. And you know what? Maybe that's all that comes out your mouth is Jesus. And that's all that comes out your mouth is church. And you know what? People get tired of hearing it. Can I tell you something? When they get in need, they'll come running back. Yeah. Jesus, in this parable here, he always speaks to us about parables and, and, and through parables because he wanted to, he wanted for kingdom-minded folk to discern what he was saying. And in this, he's given us a parable how that this master uh, was wanting to invite everybody to the master's table to for for. For dinner. And he said, go tell them that it's already ready. All they got to do is show up. And he said, go bathe them or go invite them. He said, servants, go invite them and bring them in. Who did he tell to go get them? He told the servants. He told the servants, go get them. Have you know, the master had enough power, he could have done it himself. But can I tell you something, just like last week when we talked about, there's miracle working power in your hands. Yeah. I want to stop right here. Because can I tell you something, on your job or in your family, don't it make you feel like leaping through walls when it's your coworker that you've been praying for, that you've been inviting, your family member that you, that you had a part of sowing seed in. And all of a sudden, that seed comes to salvation. Man, don't it make you feel like leaping? Because he wants the miracle working power in your hands. And just like we talked about last week, he says, I do the miracles in the hands of servants. And he said there, servants, you go invite. How do you know this church and the kingdom, but particularly this church, One Life Campus, will only be as full as you invite. It won't be as full as you get excited about. Because can I tell you something? Everybody expects me to be excited. Everybody expects me uh, to, I'm not saying you, I'm saying when I'm out in town, when I'm out at my job. Well, obviously he's excited. He's the pastor of the church. Obviously he's invited. He's invited. But can I tell you something? It throws them off when you Invite people to church. Uh, for, for, for about 12 years of ministry, I, of the 15, I've evangelized. And every time I would go into towns, I would do a little, little tester of the air. 
And I would, because I wanted to see what kind of church I was going into. So we would go out to eat beforehand. And every, every town I'm in, I'll say, well, where do you go to church at? Or what's the best church in this town? And a lot of times I would get nothing or they don't go to church. Or they wouldn't know where to go to church at. But I'll never forget this particular one time, and it was, I was in White Sulphur Springs preaching for a friend of mine named Chad. And I'll never forget being there. And I asked this question, what's the best church around here? If I was going to go to church, they don't know I'm preaching in town. And they said, you got to go down to Bethesda. And we continued to talk, and the person across from us said, yeah, that's my church. I go to Bethesda. And then here come another person, this waitress, and she said to us, she said, are y'all talking about that church, Bethesda? She said, this is the fifth time I've heard about this church today. And can I tell you something? That church has grown from 70 people to almost 800 people in three years. Do you know why it's great? Because the people are excited about their church. Every key to growth around the nation is because people are in love and want to tell people about. That's the whole key to it. It's not that they're the richest person, richest church in town. It's not that they're the best worship in town. It's because people are excited about their church. God commanded the servants, go Invite people to my table because it is ready. Have you know the kingdom of God is ripe and it is ready. Can I tell you something? You're not going to find better worship than what you find with Rob and the worship team. You're not going to find a better kids team than what you find with Sam in the back. You're not going to find more beautiful smiling front line than what you find in the parking lot and in the front. I'm not the best preacher, but I guarantee you, you're going to get a word that stirs you. Can I tell you something? The harvest and the table is ready. Are you going to be excited and go and invite and say, let Let me tell you about one life. (laughs) But what began to happen as they made invites? The people began to make excuses. Isn't it funny people always make excuses? (laughs) This whole morning I felt like I've heard excuses all the way to the moment I stepped to this pulpit. Half the church is missing today. People always be full of excuses. It doesn't matter. It's just a common thing. And can I tell you something, when you go to invite, people will always make excuses. But you just know it's nothing personal. You're just planting seed. You're just planting, okay, you got an excuse, but let me tell you about Jesus. And let me tell you about Jesus. And let me tell you, because let me tell you something, eventually that seed is going to drop and it's going to become tangible. People will always be full of excuses. And can I tell you, can I, can I tell you something? Did the master accept that the place was going to be empty when they came back with the excuses? No. How do you know God wants his house to be full? God wants his house to be full. And it's time that those that are in the kingdom 
regardless of their serving or just in the kingdom or if they're leading in the kingdom, that we stop making excuses and say, God, I want to get the house full for you. I want to stop and say this because this is important. If you're a serving leader or in ministry of any form, God don't need our excuses. He wants, he wants an answer to fix the excuses. The master didn't say, okay, I get it. Everybody's busy. So-and-so just got married. So-and-so just bought a house. So-and-so just built a field. That's okay. I get it. We'll just eat me. Me and you got a lot of scrimp to eat later. No. He didn't say that. He said, it doesn't matter. Get my house filled. Can I tell you something? When you have limited resources, God is still God. God doesn't need our resources to fill his house up. He needs people that are excited and on fire for him that says, I will go and fill up the house of God no matter the excuses of man. I will." So he said, go out and get the blind, the lame, the ones no one wanted, and fill my house up. Can I tell you something? Every single person deserves to hear about Jesus no matter what they're going through, no matter what side of the tracks they're on, no matter if they're in the gutter or on top of the gutter, no matter if they got money in their pocket or no money, regardless if they're stinky or smell like cologne. It doesn't matter their race. It doesn't matter their status. Everybody deserves to hear about Jesus because Jesus wants his house filled up and the kingdom to be overflowing. Isn't it funny? And even when he said that, he said, I went and got everybody, but the house is still not full. He said, all right, now I want you to go into the high. We all know this verse. Go into the highways and the, and the byways. Go into the hedges. He said, go everywhere to the countryside go and fill my house up. My question is, what is your field? I want to challenge you today, what is your field? I'm not asking you to put on a white shirt and a tie and take little personal invitations and go to door to door. I'm not telling you to, but what is your field God has you in? What is your field? Somebody say, what's my field? What's my field? My job is my field. I'm there as a planner. You're not just there as a worker. You're not just there as a mechanic. You're not just there as a machinist. You're not just there as a registration. You're not just there as a check-in person. You're not just there as a stock person. You're not just there. You are there as a planner in the kingdom, and your initiative is, is that God wants you to sow seed wherever you're at. So that my house may be full. Isn't it funny that the guest list kept changing? The guest list kept changing. We have an ideal of what we want around us in our field. We have an ideal of what we want our dinner or our church to be like. But God said it doesn't matter the guest list. 
just keep inviting them. Servant, keep inviting them. Can I tell you something? And I want you to hear this. Your position is not to figure out who needs to be invited. Your position is to be the one inviting. Mm. Your position is not to figure out who needs to be invited, but your position is, I just need to invite. I remember one time, I don't know where I was at, but have you ever heard this statement, oh man, that person would be great in church because they look like a, like a church person. Well, what the heck does that look like? Because can I tell you something, when I got saved, I looked like the biggest heathen there was. I come in church, and, and imagine this 16 years ago. At least 60 pounds lighter in shape. Don't imagine it now. It'd be quite, don't imagine it now. But I had on silver pants. I had on a black tight shirt with a dragon that stretched all the way up and went down my arm. I had bleached blonde hair. I had earrings in both ears. I had a tongue ring. I looked like Everything that was not meant to come to this altar. But the Spirit had nothing to do with the way I looked, but it had something to do with the heart that he was calling to Jesus. And can I tell you something? It's no one invited me to church. It's not that who I was brought me. But it was what God had brought me through. Because I had just come out of a suicide issue and I had got a piece of paper in the mail showing my, showing my bill. And my bill was for $666. And that scared me to the altar. Because no one, because of the way I looked, said that person would come to Jesus. Can I tell you something? It's the least of those that you think will come to Jesus. Jesus, when he was calling people, he called sinners to Jesus. He offered forgiveness of sins to those that were willing to obey. He called the sinner. He did not call the church person to him. But he said, hey, Peter, come follow me. Hey, you cussing fishermen, don't get saved, don't get cleaned up, just come follow me. Because if you keep following me and you get close to me, I'll clean you up, my good God. I'll be the one clean you up. I'll be the one that changes your language. I'll be the one that changes your friendships. I'll be the one that changes your scenario. Jesus called sinners unto himself. I want to challenge you. How many sinners do you have as friends? I have more friends that are sinners than I do church folk. And do you know why? It's because I'm confident in knowing who I am in God. Nothing they do or say. Do you know what? I never tell people I'm a pastor because I want the real you to come out. 
And, and what's funny is when they find out, I have this patient. Can I just say this? And maybe I shouldn't say it, but I'm going to say it anyhow. She's a rough one. I mean, she's straight up rough. And every time I see her, I mean, she, she does this to everybody. It's nothing with me. But, like, her greeting is, is a finger. Y'all imagine it. And, and, it, and, it, and she makes it funny, and, and I never would say anything. I'd say, hey, so-and-so. And she'd be sitting over in the corner, and she'd, I'd look up, and I'd see her, and there come that finger up. And then all of a sudden, she found out that guy she's been flipping off is a pastor. And she'd come to me, and she'd say, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, why? I like you just the way you are. Because if you're that bold for that, I couldn't imagine if I got you in church. Right? Because Jesus is not calling church people. He is calling sinners unto him. Mm, I can't say that enough. He is calling sinners. Can I, can I challenge you this week? Reevaluate your friendships. And not just even friendships, but who are you around? Can I tell you something? Make it a point to find three people that are not saved and be around them more. And I'm not talking about, you know, going to the bar with them and hanging out and having a drink. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about finding that cashier at Dollar General that you've heard cuss and it turns you off. And you won't even go through her line anymore because you're so holy. You're so righteous. You're so filled with the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you something? Go back through her line again. And show her the love of Jesus. Just simple things. You know what? Can I tell you something? God has blessed us so much. Just, just slide somebody a little bit more money. I said, I just want to tell you I love you in Jesus. And don't give them one of them fake $20 tracks either. Do, if you have those things, burn those things right now. You put a real $20 bill and you give them a note about Jesus. Those things make people mad. I used to be a waiter. I hated those things. Don't make, one, make people go to Jesus. Makes them want to rip it up and throw it in your face. Listen, God invited the destitute. I got a couple more points. God invited the destitute. It means those that have no necessities. The ones that were without. Can I tell you something? That doesn't just mean the basic necessity of life. That means the ones that were without Jesus. Those... Listen, someone without Jesus, those are the ones that's destitute because they're empty, they're void, nothing's going right. They have nothing going for their life. Those are the ones that need Jesus. Get, invite the ones that are leery, weary and heavy laden. That one that constantly comes into the room with the problems. You know, the one, that coworker we always avoid, that's always got a problem, that you avoid. I can think of three right now. Oh, God, here they come, another bad story. Negative, negative. No, they're heavy and laden down. Say, so, you know what, I know a place that's going to make it easy for you. Number three, the Holy Spirit always invited those that were thirsty. He invited those that are thirsty. There's this new phrase out called, people are thirsty. Oh, that girl's thirsty. Oh, that guy's thirsty. Just willing to do anything, period. And you know what we do with people like that? We avoid them. Oh, there's that thirsty. 
you do it, man. I, listen, I've heard women talk on my job. Oh, my goodness gracious. I know how women talk nowadays. There's that thirsty so-and-so. You better not let your man be around her. Can I tell you something, who that person was talking about? Jesus was talking about the woman at the Samaritan well. He said, I see that you're thirsty. Isn't it funny that Jesus was social media ready before all this happened? He was calling her thirsty. He said, girl, you're thirsty. (laughs) He said, you are so thirsty that you have had five husbands, and even the one you're with now ain't even your husband. He said, because you're so thirsty for attention, you're so dried up on the inside that the love of a relationship you think will fill you up. But he said, that thirst you're looking for is in the wrong places. He said, but if you will come unto me, I will give you water that you will never thirst again. And can I tell you something? Hey, hey, hey can we go to this real quick? It's, it's John chapter 4. Go there with me real quick. John chapter 4. Can I tell you what happened to the thirsty lady? John chapter John chapter, tw- John chapter 4, verse 27. This is after he had a discussion with her. And when the disciples returned, they were surprised to find him talking with that woman. With that thirsty woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? <laughs> but the woman got up. And she left her water jar. And the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and they made their way toward Jesus. Go to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. My good God. And he told me everything I had ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with him for two more days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to this woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard it for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. That woman that no one wanted to talk to, when Jesus came to that sinner, that woman that was empty, that woman that had been around town, Jesus came to her and gave her something that dried up her quench. Can I tell you something? That woman went back and got a whole town saved. The one that even the disciples in verse 28 snubbed up their nose. And why in the world is Jesus talking to them? Can I challenge you this week? You find someone that shocks everybody around you that you would never talk to. Even your wife or your husband would be shocked 
that you would talk to them. And that doesn't always mean the low and out. I'm talking about someone that maybe even rubbed you wrong on your job. That you vowed you'd never speak to again. That you vowed you'd never be nice to again. That family member that you vowed will never be family again. That it would shock someone to see you talking to that thirsty person. Go and talk to them. Because I'm telling you this, your words are going to influence them to Jesus. And when they hear Jesus' voice calling them, your words are going to bring them salvation. It's going to bring them deliverance. It's going to bring them the thing that they need that they've been searching for their whole entire life. I want to challenge you not just because it's Easter coming up, but because it's our duty as a servant unto him that we begin to be hungry for God's precious people again. Amen? Stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to do something while you're standing there. I want you to grab one of these right now, and we're going to start with this, our friends and family invite. I'm going to make this easy for you. You you know what you're saying, Pastor, I hear you, but I ain't got the courage to do this this week. Then we're going to make it easy for you. Does everybody have one of these real quick? A family and friends invite? Does everybody have one? If you do, lift it up for me. Okay, if I don't see it, I'm going to keep talking until you get it. Has everybody got one? There should be some pins on your row. I want you to take a moment and write down a co-worker's name. Write down a friend's name, a family member's name. If you know their email, their phone number, their address, that would be great. Write down as many people as you do know their, their information. But if you don't know their information... You write down their name anyhow, and we're going to pray for them. And the challenge will be is that you will do the invited, but we'll pray for them. Amen? Does everybody have one? So Rob's going to lead us in worship, and as... Everybody got a pen? Because you can't write without a pen. Everybody got a pen? Lift up your pen. I got to make sure it is before you walk out of here. Okay, if you got a pen, I want you to start... Rob's going to lead us in worship. I want you to do this. We're going to start right here. Amen? Go ahead, Rob.
rescue the 